Welcome to the Yacht Talk Podcast, where we discuss everything yachts, giving you practical advice and insider tips to help you enjoy your yacht to the fullest. And now with you, your host, Miriam Law. On today's episode, we will talk about safety at sea, how to be prepared before leaving the dock to prevent the most common calls for rescue. Okay, hi everyone, welcome to the Yacht Talk podcast. Today we have a very interesting episode. We're going to be talking about safety at sea with Mario Vittoni. So how are you, Mario? Hi, how are you doing? Very good. I'm so excited to have you on Zoom today. Mario is in Tampa, Florida. So Mario, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background in uh, marine rescue? Sure. Well, I, I spent most of my adult life as a helicopter rescue swimmer for the U.S. Coast Guard. And so my uh, and, and my job was the end of everyone else's worst day on the water. So if you saw me at work, you weren't having a good time because you, know, you needed the Coast Guard for a rescue. So for most of my life, I didn't like boats at all. I hated them because every time I was on a boat, it was sinking or upside down or on fire. <laughs> so, wow. so I didn't like boats very much. But uh, but after I, I got out of that job and started to go on boats, uh, for fun, I you know I started to like them more and more. But uh, after the job as a rescue swimmer, I worked as an accident investigator uh, and a vessel inspector for the U.S. Coast Guard, and then I retired in 2013. Uh, and now I'm still in helicopter rescue a little bit. I, I make the equipment that the rescuers use uh, in the Coast Guard, in the Navy, and all around the world. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to the podcast. I think our listeners will appreciate all the information of great value that you're going to share with us today. So let's start with our questions, Mario. My first question to you is, on your website, I read the phrase, an utterly fearless man is a far more dangerous comrade than a coward. Could you please elaborate on that and how it relates to yacht owners? Well, that's, a, that's the only sign that I have one sign on my office wall uh, at home that says, and it's a quote, that's a quote from uh, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. And he says, it was about Starbuck. And Starbuck was the first mate on the boat. And he said, I'll have no man on my boat who's not afraid of a whale. And by that, he meant that not only was the most reliable and useful form of courage that which arises from the fair estimation of the encountered peril, but that an utterly fearless man is a far more dangerous comrade than a coward. And what that means for boaters is that you have to have a, a healthy respect for the ocean that you're on. You know, yachts are very pretty. And then when you're on board a nice boat, it doesn't feel like you're on a boat anymore. And it's easy to forget you're on the ocean. And you, you have to always be just a little afraid. So when I say a fearless man is far more dangerous than a coward, a coward is worried about getting hurt. A fearless man is not and fearless men get hurt all the time. And so that's that phrase that I have on my website for that reason. And, and I think that every, I've been on hundreds of rescue missions and I've never been on one that was not caused, with the exception of some medevacs. Somebody falls and gets hurt, that's what happens at sea sometimes. Or an undiagnosed case of appendicitis, that just happens sometimes, that's no one's fault. But with the exception of those very few medevacs, every time a boat called Mayday, it was usually caused by a bad decision made by the captain before leaving the dock. Mm -hmm. And it was always about the vessel owners not 
fairly estimating the perils they would encounter. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't maintain your engines and they break, that's a failure that happened at the dock. The problem arose at sea, but the real problem started when you didn't maintain the engine properly. And so you have to be afraid a little bit of the engine failing because if it fails six hours off the coast uh, and now your boat can't move, now you are, you've changed your position in the world. You're now in the most hostile environment on earth and you have no way to get back and out of it over an engine failure. So that failure to fairly estimate the encountered peril, that fearless man quotes on my website, just to always remind myself and my customers and the people that read my, my articles that, that that's the most common thing that goes wrong at sea is mm-hmm. not being afraid enough. You know, most times you go on your boat, you have fun, you come back. That's what usually happens. And that experience teaches you that boating is fun. And it is, and it should be. But if you don't spend some time, every time thinking about the safety aspect of what you're doing, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you eventually get into trouble. Yeah, I think we can all learn from that. So my next question, Mario, what is the yeah. number one danger people face at sea? The Far and away, the most dangerous thing in maritime, the most hazardous thing that happens to boaters uh, is leaving the boat, falling overboard, is, is the most dangerous thing. If most of the time when someone falls off a boat, it's at the dock. <laughs> And if it's not there, then it's, you know, uh, you know, everyone's there. You, you're at anchor and you're doing swimming or you're going to the beach. But usually it's uneventful. They fall off, they get laughed at, they get back on the boat. And, and pretty much no one's, no one's really hurt. However, if you fall off the boat and the other people on the boat lose sight of you, um. there's a 40% chance four in 10 of those people are never seen again alive or dead. Whoa. Four in 10. And most of them will not be recovered alive. Most people who fall off a boat and the boat loses sight of them are never seen, are, are, they, they don't make it. It's the most dangerous thing in maritime. Collisions are the most common mishap, but the most deadly is falling off the boat. And so for, for larger boats, the danger becomes it's very easy on a 100-foot vessel to be somewhere where other people can't see you. On a 21-foot center console boat, it's impossible to be where someone can't see you mm-hmm. on a, on a 102 foot Broward. Almost anywhere on the boat is out of sight of someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not both on the same part of the deck, if there's a captain at the helm and someone's in the galley and someone's lounging up front and you fall off the back, no one saw that happen. And then you are immediately one of those four in 10 people who are never seen again. And so I think for yachters, they have to, bring that into their planning. You know, what are your rules for your boat? Are you allowed to be by yourself on a portion of the deck or not tell someone, Hey, here, I'm going here. You know, and there's simple things that professional mariners do to handle that risk. And uh, again, the ocean doesn't know whether you're a private boat owner or a professional mariner. It doesn't know what you do for a living. It doesn't know what kind of boat you fell off of. So everyone has to have these plans. Yeah. So you recommend people should always notify each other where they are on the boat, right? Yeah, they should always notify where they are, and, and the person who's notified should make sure they check in with them and keep an eye on them. You know, going up on the deck of a boat at night and no one knows you're on the deck of the boat at night is a pretty dangerous thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying that's when you really have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, and some yachts, in my experience, like the nicer designs, they don't have a very high rail protecting from the ocean. 
it, it's pretty easy to fall off some boats, you know, it, it really is. Aesthetics is, I mean, there's, there's rules for often for how high those rails have to be and they're, and they're sufficient, but some of them, particularly large sailboats, you can, they're made to fall. It's like they're made to fall off. You know, they're, they're, the, the rail is something to trip over on your way over, you know? And so, and there's ways to handle that risk, telling people where you are, being, always being with someone who can see you and, or, you know, having, if you're going to be alone on deck at night, then to have flotation on. You know, mm-hmm. and of course, there's those wonderful, and a lot of a lot of boats have these now. There's really nice man overboard systems. You know, they they you wear a clip or a pin, and if you leave the vessel, an alarm goes off. And oh. so those systems, those systems, that's one great way to to manage that risk. That's a good thing to have. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. What is the most important thing someone should bring with them when going out on a yacht? Assuming. All things are being equal because the easy thing to say is, well, you have to have a life jacket, but the, the boat should have life jackets anyway. And it's not, that's not the, the most important thing. I think what the most overlooked thing that's, that's not brought onto boats, in my experience, the thing that, I, that people don't think of and don't bring, and this surprises a lot of people as, as my best suggestion for what you should bring, is uh, if you're going to go out any distance or for any time, you should bring a medical history. I will not get on a boat with passengers for a long trip if I don't have an envelope with what are you allergic to? What are your medical conditions? Who's your doctor? I don't, they don't need to tell me, but they have to have it with them. Mm-hmm. It can be in a sealed envelope and say, I have a thing called an, uh, on my website, I think you can find it. It's an adult medical history questionnaire. And it's just a one-page form that you have your passengers fill out that asks the questions you would need to know. And the reason I say that is the most common thing to go wrong at sea most Coast Guard rescues are medical evacuations. It happens every day without fail somewhere in the U.S. And if you don't believe that, you go to Google and you search Coast Guard medevacs and it'll have happened last night. It happens all the time. And when that happens, um, for whatever reason, someone falls and hits their head, someone has chest pain, someone has appendicitis, someone needs to leave the boat and get to a hospital quicker than you can get them there. What you don't want to have happen is the rescuer comes down to the boat or the Coast Guard vessel comes alongside and they go, you know, what do I need to know about this patient? Oh, I have no idea. And uh, there's no next of kin right there to get there. And so, so it's, a simp- it's a simple thing to bring on the boat. That and medications. If someone is on medication and they don't have them with them, then they don't come on my boat. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of the reasons for medical. You know, we're only going to go out for a few hours. Well, it, you have engine problems or... You run aground and, and now you're out there longer and now the person who needs to take the meds once a day doesn't have them because oh. they didn't plan to be out there that long. And so I think people need to think about their medical needs when they go on boats for more than 24 hours. And, and it, it often gets put aside because what's going to happen? Uh, and the, the difference is I'm here in my office and if I have a medical problem, an ambulance will be here in seven minutes. I'm sure of it. Within seven minutes, there'll be someone here to help me. 200 miles offshore, it's going to take hours. Mm-hmm. It might take a day. Wow. And so you have, to, you have to prepare differently for your medical needs. Yes. If the closest help is a six-hour helicopter flight and a six-hour, you know, to get you. So these things aren't, aren't thought about, and it's too simple. It's so simple to handle. Just bring on my medical history, hand it to the captain. Hey, captain, anything goes wrong with me, hand that to the guy who comes to get me, you know. <laughs> The problem solved. Yeah, that's interesting that that's the most common. It's not what I would have thought, right? 
you think of accidents or whatever, but people just yeah. bring enough pills and then the, the trip takes longer than expected and they, their blood pressure goes up or their sugar the levels go up. Blood sugar, yeah, diabetics. A number of 12-year-old diabetics I picked up because the parents didn't bring the insulin because it was just a one-hour trip. Oh. And, they, and they leave it at home. You know, I said, well, you can't always plan on it being a one-hour trip. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go to the next question. Do all countries have the same safety regulations around yachting? Not at all, no. Yeah. No, I, not, they're pretty good, but yacht, yachts are, you know, if they're not a vessel in commercial service, if it's a private boat and it's under 300 tons, the, the rules really are pretty lax for recreational vessels, for, boat, for privately owned vessels. Um, there's requirements for flares and there's requirements, and of course, everyone has to follow the rules of the road when driving, but you're talking about the regulations for, say, inspection. For example, if I have a yacht and I run it as a charter service and I can take more than seven passengers, my boat has to be dry docked every two years. It has to be inspected. The valves have to be inspected. The equipment, the fire extinguishing equipment has to be inspected. The engines, everything has to be maintained and inspected in accordance with regulations. If it's my private boat, it can have 10 holes in the bottom that I pump out with a foot pump. It does. I'm not breaking any rules. Mm. There's no rules you know, and how you maintain your boats entirely up to you. And so the regulations are most boating regulations that keep you really safe. There's always life jacket regulations and things like that. But, but for example, in the U.S., there is no regulation that compels you to wear a life jacket. There's no federal law that says you have to wear the life jacket. The only time you have to wear the life jacket, you have to have it on the boat. The only time that you have to wear it is if the Coast Guard directs you to during a rescue mission. Otherwise, you just have to have it on the boat. It's local laws that make, like, say, children under 16 or children under 12 have to wear it. Those are local laws, but there's no federal law that says you have to wear it. So the recreational, the private boat rules are pretty lax, and there's none for safety management systems. If I'm going to take 10 passengers on my boat, I have to have a plan for everything, a plan for engine maintenance, a plan for training, a plan for emergency training, a plan for life-saving equipment and EPIRBs and all this. If it's a private boat, I don't have to have any of that. And so um, the regulations differ from country to country and they differ for types of vessel ownership and operation. And so uh, I think the thing for all mariners to do is to to look at who gets in less trouble out there mm -hmm. which type of boater gets into less trouble on the ocean than anybody and what do they do and the answer is always going to be who gets into trouble least is professionally managed or professionally operated commercial operators because they're under such scrutiny by the regulations. And so if you're a private yacht owner and you want to be safe, you think, well, what do they do differently? And then you mimic those procedures and, and, and plans. You don't have to pay the inspector to come inspect your boat, but you should inspect it. Mm -hmm. uh, and on the same schedule, you don't have to have the same sort of licensure for your crew. However, you should pay attention to how they're, how they're trained and how, uh, how many times they do drills. Like, you know, do you do man overboard drills on your boat? Professional mariners do. If you don't, you're missing something. Do you do fire drills on your boat? Professional mariners do. If you don't, you're missing something. And so having a safety management plan 
that mirrors what the professionals do is the best way for a private boat owner to stay safe. And, and it takes time and it's work and it kind of takes the fun out of boating for a minute. But once you do it and you have it, it's pretty easy to maintain. And this is the owner's responsibility. It's not the captain's responsibility, right? Yeah, of course it, it is. Well, a lot of people like to put it on the captain. They hire a captain and go, well, he handles everything for me. And that's fine. Uh, except for if you fall off the boat or there's a problem with the boat, uh, it's not going to matter to you whose fault it is. You're just going to want to live through it. And so you can try and push that responsibility off to your captain if you like. Uh, and you can certainly hire a good captain or a bad captain and, and, and have it affect things. But ultimately, the, it's certainly, if I'm on your boat, it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. If you own it and you have a captain, I'm still responsible for my safety. And so I, I guess that's, that's just that Herman Melville Starbucks mindset. I'll have no man on my boat is not afraid of a whale. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, no one fearless is allowed on the boat. So the responsibility, taking the responsibility is certainly up to the owner. Yeah. The captain, unless you task him with it, isn't responsible to write the safety management plan for your vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the difference between a captain and a port captain and managed maintenance of your vessel or not. And so these, these things, so much of what goes wrong at sea has nothing to do with how the guy's driving the boat, how your captain is operating the vessel and vessel plans and trip plans and vessel routing and weather. That's what the, the captain does, you know, getting your boat to the dock without banging it against the bollards that's his job uh, uh handling emergencies is his job but keeping you from having emergency that's it's not part of what they do unless they're fully managing the vessel for you mm-hmm. uh, i think if anyone has a question about whether their vessel's managed properly and you think the captain's handling it you ask the captain to show you the training schedule mm-hmm. or show you the his safety management system and if he looks at you sideways like he doesn't have one then your boat's not being managed properly or it's not being managed in the way that makes it safest. Okay, well, let's move on. Which other recommendations would you add? What you were talking about, you know, to having like a drill and to make sure everything is working. Is there like a guide that yacht owners could follow? There's guys, the Coast Guard has, you know, with, they have sample safety management systems. They have, they don't have, what vessel owners should, and it's because it's different vessel to vessel because vessels have different capabilities, of course. And so I think one thing mariners can, besides having a well-managed vessel, and that means a, a, a written plan for how you maintain the boat, how you train the crew, how you practice emergencies. Besides that, you should have uh, decided ahead of time. I think it's important to make some decisions ahead of time. So when things happen at sea, you don't get caught up in trying to figure out what your decision is. And what I mean is, what's the sea state limit for your vessel where you will decide this is too much and we're going to head in? Decide that ahead of time. What, uh, on this trip that I'm going on, what other ports of call can I pull into if things go wrong? Um, What do I call Pond Pond for? In distress communications, everyone knows Mayday. That means my world's come apart and I need help. But but Pon Pon is the distress call that's supposed to come before Mayday, which is, I'm having a problem. So do you call Pon Pon if you, you have two engines and you lose one? Is that something, you know, make those decisions ahead of time. Uh, professional mariners have to report that. Mm. If a commercial vessel loses an engine, they call the Coast Guard immediately. Now, why, why does that matter for your safety? 
because you may just, you don't know why you lost the engine. Maybe you lost the engine because you have contaminated fuel and you're about to lose your generator on the other engine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now you're in a mess. And so the Coast Guard getting the information sooner uh, can help you. Notify, notifying other vessels around you sooner can help you. But if you haven't decided what are the things this vessel will call emergency for, like, listen, if anyone on the boat experiences chest pains, I'm calling Pon Pon and reporting that I have a passenger with chest pains. Mm-hmm. So I can get some advice on what to do. It's, it's a, there's no reason. And what we do if we don't make those decisions is we go, well, what do you think we should do? Should we call? No, no, I'm fine. It's just a little pain. If you make those decisions ahead of time, you don't get talked out of doing the right thing. I think. Mm-hmm. And so, so besides managing the vessel, I think the one thing uh, that mariners should do to make themselves safer, yacht owners, is, is to decide what an emergency is to them, make plans ahead of time, make as many decisions before you go to sea, so that when you get out there and these things arise, you, you've, your mind is ready to make those smart decisions. They were smart back on the dock. It's smart to see and you don't change your own mind. Mm-hmm. Now, which safety concerns do you believe most people don't consider when going out into the ocean? Well, I, I, I already touched on it before. I think the thing that they don't consider at all, again, is distance. That it's about your, your distance from shore, that time equals, uh, distance equals time at sea. And that, you know, we're used to having everything close at hand and, You know, if there's a problem, I can call for help and it'll be there immediately. And, and they, need to th- they need to think in terms of distance and in terms of time. That Even though I can see condos off Miami, I'm still two and a half hours away from medical care. If I can't move this boat, if I have a problem, if, so, if I have a fire, I'm a long way from help. It's longer for me to get help than if I'm just back there at the dock. And so things get much more serious you're more isolated 30 miles off Miami than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And you have to consider that. And so you have, you have to plan for that. I think anyone who goes to sea and you, like I said, you plan for the lunch you're going to have and you plan for where you're going and you plan for the trip and having enough sunscreen and food and wine and all those things. You get all that planning done, but have you planned to be four hours from medical care? You know, do you have enough uh, training and equipment to handle a medical emergency? Are you prepared for, Losing all propulsion. Are you prepared to not be to port when you think you would be at port? And therefore, it changes the way you prepare. And okay, well, we're going to, you know, we're only going out for four days. I'm going to take eight days worth of medicine. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong about the four days. Yeah. Because if I do, I don't have a problem. If I don't bring the meds, because I was sure we were going to pull into Key West on Tuesday and we don't pull in until Thursday. Now everything's fine except for I'm having a medical problem. And so preparing for the distance and preparing for the time that means for you uh, uh, and, and preparing for things. You know, if your car breaks down, I'm picked up pretty quickly. I can get a ride. If my vessel breaks down and I'm 150 miles offshore, it's a whole different problem. And so you have to prepare for, for things not going right. Yeah. What's your, what's your, you've got your plan for everything going perfectly. And now what's your plan for things not going right? Okay, and when people are traveling on their yachts to different countries, are there any additional safety measures that they should take? Does it make any difference, the fact that they're going to be outside of the country? Yeah, well, this is why well, I think the, the simple answer, of course it does. And I, it's sort of beyond my field of expertise, but I do know that 
it should change your planning, you know. Someone has to have looked at the State Department website to see what the hazards are in the area and what the travel advisories are. Um, I'm always amazed by people that travel and don't read those. They're they're free. They're up on the State Department website, and it's amazing how many neighborhoods you can find you shouldn't go into, or what the crime posture is in a certain port of call. You can find all those things out, or find out that there are no concerns uh, by going to the State Department website first. That's very good advice. Thank you. Could you please share with us an occasion in which you rescued someone at sea, which could have been prevented easily? I don't know that I've ever rescued someone at sea that couldn't be prevented easily. Some, again, some medical evacuations, undiagnosed. I give an example. An undiagnosed case of appendicitis was no one's fault, and that could not have been avoided easily. Uh, the woman I picked up who was having her fourth heart attack, that could have been avoided by not going to sea. At some point, you have to give up taking yourself six hours from definitive care if, if you've got a serious health condition. Um, then I picked up vessels who ran out of gas. Is that easily avoidable? You bet. Um, not taking medication, not taking insulin for kids. I picked up those patients completely, very easily avoidable. Uh, just bring bring the medication. Uh, running aground, it's, that's a problem made at the dock. You, you knew where you were going, you didn't look at the charts, and you didn't study the water depth, and they ran aground, and now they're stuck aground in the bayou of, in, in Louisiana. That's easily avoidable. Uh, they're almost always avoidable, and almost easily avoidable. What happens is we get complacent. Every time you go to sea, and you have a good time, and nothing goes wrong, you've taught yourself that nothing goes wrong when you go to sea, and you stop looking for things to go wrong. And you, and you get complacent. Your, your experience at sea becomes about success. And that's good. Uh, I, again, I'm not trying to take the fun out of boating. I'm saying rescues happen when we get complacent and quit thinking about what might go wrong. Mm -hmm. And then it happens because you weren't thinking about it. It's almost always easily avoidable. I, again, I've, with the exception of some medevacs, I've never been on a mission where I didn't, or read about one, where I didn't, couldn't trace it back to a bad decision made by the vessel owner made before leaving the dock. Okay, next question. Are captains and crew required to have CPR certification? Licensed captains are required to have first aid and CPR training, they are. Okay. A licensed captain is. So again, if you're not a licensed captain and you're on a boat, that's what the professionals do, maybe you should do it. As an owner operator, you're not required to have first aid and CPR, but if you were to be a professional captain, you would be. Why? Because it makes them safer. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be an owner-operator, you should act like a professional. Professionals have the training and certification, and so should you. Yes. Yes, I agree. Okay. And are there any other recommendations you could give yacht owners to help them enjoy their adventures in the ocean safely? I think the last great gains to be made in being safe at sea, we, the vessels are incredibly safe now. The the, the communication equipment that you can buy. I can hit a button on my EPIRB and have help, uh, and, and everyone knows exactly where I am. Satellite phones, the, the communication equipment's great now. You know, 150 years ago, they couldn't call for help. They could send up a flare or not, and that was it. Uh, they could, you know, before radios. And so it, it's so easy to be safe at sea now. The last great gains to be made in being safe at sea, I think, are to change the way mariners think a yacht owner has to 
change the way they think about going to see. The boats are fun. They're beautiful. They're a good time. You want to be on them, but you're still on a boat at sea. And my best advice for anyone who spends any time at sea is to spend some time back on the beach thinking about the safety aspect of what they're doing. Just spend some time thinking about it and considering how should you take care of your boat? What are you going to do in emergencies? Are you trained? Are you prepared? Just spend some time in between stocking the wine fridge and deciding what the meal plan is going to be and have a discussion about how to make sure you get back to shore the same way you left it. Happy, excited, and safe. Yes. Thank you so much, Mario, for all this useful information. I'm sure all our listeners will benefit greatly from it. And Mario, if people want to contact you and ask you any questions about safety at sea, which is the best way to reach you? They can send me an email. They can, my website's mariovatoni.com. And if they go there, they, there's a contact form. and My phone number is there. My emails are there. And you're welcome to call or email me or drive over to Tampa and knock on my door. I'd be <laughs> to help. Okay, so the episode notes will have your website listed. And I also want to let everyone know that Mario publishes blogs and articles about marine safety that are really interested. I was looking through them the other day. So if you guys want to subscribe to his email list, you will get a bunch of interesting articles that he writes. Thanks so much. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed our show. Please remember to rate us and subscribe and we'll see you next time. That's all for today. Feel free to send us your questions or comments to theyachtpodcast.com. And if you're considering the sale or purchase of a yacht and would like Miriam to be your broker, email miriam at lentonyachts.com. That's M-I-R-I-A-M at L-E-N-T-O-N-Y-A-C-H-T-S dot com. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time.
That's all for today. Feel free to send us your questions or comments to theyachtpodcast.com. And if you're considering the sale or purchase of a yacht and would like Miriam to be your broker, email miriam at lentonyachts.com. That's M-I-R-I-A-M at L-E-N-T-O-N-Y-A-C-H-T-S dot com. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time.